Hello everyone, I'm Angela and you are listening to Gallows Bird. Tonight's episode is about H.H. Holmes. H.H. Holmes was a con artist and serial killer, the subject of more than 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone. Until his execution in 1896, he chose a career of crime including insurance fraud, swindling, check forging, three to four bigamous illegal marriages, horse theft, and murder. Holmes was born Herman Webster Mudgett in Gilmanton, New Hampshire on May 16, 1861 to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodotti Page Price, both of whom were descendant from the first English immigrants in the area. Mudgett was his parents' third-born child. He had an older sister, Ellen, an older brother, Arthur, a younger sister, Mary, and a younger brother, Henry. Holmes's father was from a farming family and at times he worked as a farmer, trader, and a house painter. His parents were devout Methodist. Later attempts to fit Holmes into the pattern seen in modern serial killers have described him torturing animals and suffering from abuse at the hands of of a violent father. But contemporary and eyewitness accounts of his childhood do not provide proof of either. On July 4, 1878, he married Clara Lovering in Alton. Their son, Robert Lovering Mudgett, was born on February 3, 1880, in Loudoun, New Hampshire. Robert became a certified public accountant and served as city manager of of Orlando, Florida. Holmes enrolled in the University of Vermont in Burlington at age 18, but was dissatisfied with the school and left after one year. In 1882, he entered the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated in June 1884 after passing his exams. While enrolled, he worked in the anatomy lab under Professor William James Herdman, then the chief anatomy instructor, and the two were said to have been engaged in facilitating grave robbing to supply medical cadavers. Holmes had apprenticed in New Hampshire under Nahum White, a noted advocate of human dissection. Years later, when Holmes was suspected of murder and claimed to be nothing but an insurance fraudster, he admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies several times in college. Housemates described Holmes as treating Clara violently, and in 1884, before his graduation, 
she moved back to New Hampshire and later wrote she knew little of him afterwards. After he moved to Moore's Fork, New York, a rumor spread that Holmes had been seen with a little boy who later disappeared. Holmes claimed the boy went back home to Massachusetts. No investigation took place and Holmes quickly left town. He later traveled to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and got a job as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital but quit after a few days. He later took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia, but while he was working there, a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased at the store. Holmes denied any involvement in the child's death and immediately left the city. Right before moving to Chicago, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes to avoid the possibility of being exposed by victims of his previous scams. In his confession after his arrest, Holmes claimed he had killed his former medical school classmate, Robert Leacock, in 1886 for insurance money. Leacock, however, died in Watford, Ontario, in Canada, on October 5, 1889, in late 1886, while still married to Clara, Holmes married Murda Belknap in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He filed for divorce from Clara a few weeks after marrying Murda, alleging infidelity on her part. The claims could not be proven and the suit went nowhere. Surviving paperwork indicated she probably was never even informed of the suit. In any case, the divorce was never finalized. It was dismissed June 4, 1891 on the grounds of want of prosecution. Holmes had a daughter with Murda, Lucy Theodati Holmes who was born on July 4, 1889, in Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. Lucy became a public school teacher. Holmes lived with Murda and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois, and spent most of his time in Chicago tending to business. Holmes married Georgiana Yoke on January 17, 1894, in Denver, Colorado, while still married to both Clara and Murda. Holmes arrived in Chicago in August 1886, which is when he began using the name H. H. Holmes. He came across Elizabeth S. S. Holton's drugstore at the northwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Inglewood. Holton gave Holmes a job, and he proved to be a hard-working employee, eventually buying the store. Although several books portray Holton's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with his wife, 
Dr. Holton was a fellow Michigan alumnus, only a few years older than Holmes, and both Holton remained and both Holtons remained in Inglewood throughout Holmes' life and survived well into the twentieth century. It is a myth that they were killed by Holmes. Likewise, Holmes did not kill alleged castle victim Miss Kate Durkee, who also turned out to be very much alive. Holmes purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore, where construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-used building with apartments on the second floor and, a retail, and retail spaces, including a new drugstore. A creditor of Holmes named John D. Bruel died of, of apoplexy on April 17, 1891, in the drugstore. When Holmes declined to pay the architects for the steel company, Etna Iron and Steel, they sued in 1888. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World Columbian Exposition, though the hotel portion was never completed. In 1892, the hotel was somewhat completed, with three stories and a basement. The ground floor was the storefront. Fictionalized accounts report that Holmes constructed the hotel to lure in tourists visiting the nearby World's Fair in order to murder them and sell their skeletons to medical schools. However, he acquired his wares through grave robbing rather than murder. Reports by the Yellow Press labeled the building as Holmes' murder castle, claiming the structure contained secret torture chambers, trap doors, gas chambers, and a basement crematorium. None of these claims were true. Other accounts claim that the hotel was made up of over a hundred rooms and laid out like a maze, with doors opening into brick walls, windowless rooms, and dead-end staircases. In reality, the hotel floor was moderately sized and largely unremarkable. It did contain some hidden rooms, but they were used for hiding furniture Holmes bought on credit and did not intend to pay for. The hotel was gutted by a fire started by an unknown arsonist shortly after Holmes was arrested, but was largely rebuilt and used as a post office until 1938. Besides his infamous murder castle, Holmes also had a one-story factory which she claimed was used for glass bending. It is unclear if the factor, factory furnace was ever used for glass bending. It was speculated to have been used 
to destroy incriminating evidence of Holmes' crimes. On one of Holmes' early victims, one of Holmes' early victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. She was the wife of Ned Isilis Connor, who had moved into Holmes' building and began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. After Connor found out about Smythe's affair with Holmes, he quit his job and moved away, leaving Smythe and her daughter Pearl behind. Smythe gained custody of Pearl and remained at the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. Julia and Pearl disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891, and Holmes later claimed she had died during an abortion. Despite his medical background, Holmes was unlikely to be experienced in carrying out abortions, and mortality from such a procedure was high at the time. Holmes claimed to have poisoned Pearl, likely to hide the circumstances of her mother's death. A partial skeleton, possibly of a child around Pearl's age, was found when excavating Holmes' cellar. Pearl's father, Ned, was a key witness at Holmes' trial in Chicago. Emmeline Sagrande began working in the building in May 1892 and disappeared that December. Rumors followed her disappearance claimed she had gotten pregnant by Holmes, possibly being a victim of another failed abortion that Holmes tried to cover up. Another young girl who had worked for Holmes in his building named Emily Van Tassel vanished too. While working in the Chemical Bank building on Dearborn Street, Holmes met and became close friends with Benjamin Peitzel, a carpenter, with a criminal past who, ex who was exhibiting in the same building, a coal bin he, ha he had invented. Holmes used Peitzel as his right-hand man for several, crime, for several criminal schemes. A district attorney later described Peitzel as Holmes' tool, his creature. In early 1893, a one-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in an, in an, in an employment agency. That's in an employment agency, though there were rumors he had, met, he had met her in Boston years earlier. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer, and she accepted. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, an alias of Holmes. In April 1893, Williams transferred the deed, with Holmes serving as the notary. Holmes later signed the deed over to Peitzel, giving him the alias, the alias Benton T. Lyman. The next month, Holmes and Williams presented themselves as husband and wife, rented 
an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister Annie came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she planned to accompany Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Annie were seen alive after July 5, 1893. Although not proven, Holmes was suspected of killing six other persons who vanished between 1891 and 1895. Dr. Rustler, who had an office in, castle, in the castle, went missing in 1892. Kitty Kelly, a stenographer for Holmes, also went missing in 1892. John G. Davis of Greenville, Pennsylvania, went to visit the 1893 World's Fair and vanished. In 1920, his daughter asked that he be declared legally dead. Henry Walker of Greensburg, Indiana, who went missing in November 1893, was alleged to have insured his life to Holmes for 20000 and wrote to friends that he was working for Holmes in Chicago. Milford Cole of Baltimore, Maryland, was alleged to have disappeared after receiving a telegram from Holmes to come to Chicago in July 1894. An otherwise unknown victim was a Lucy Burbank. Her bank book was found in the castle in 1895. Also not proven, a descendant currently living in Florida is making the argument that H.H. Holmes is Jack the Ripper. This is presented based on handwriting comparison analysis on the infamous Dear Boss letter written by the Ripper himself. In letters written by Holmes, Holmes' activities in the U.S. are well documented, except for a short span of time between July 1888 and the beginning of 1889, during which he seems to have virtually disappeared. Jack the Ripper's murder spree took place from August to November of 1888, not long after Jack the Ripper eviscerated his final victim, Mary Kelly. A ship's log in England revealed that a passenger named H. Holmes booked passage for America. Historians have long maintained that Jack the Ripper was either a doctor or, at the very least, had medical training. H. H. Holmes received an M.D. from the University of Michigan Medical School, where he earned his doctorate. There, he gained such extensive medical training in dissection and organ removal that he could take out a kidney or uterus in a mere matter of seconds. At least three of Jack Ripper's victims had one or more of their organs removed. Scotland Yard's profile of the Whitechapel murderer postulated that the killer was 5 feet 7 inches, inches between 140 and 160 pounds and 25 to 35 years old. H. H. Holmes was 5 feet 7, 147 pounds and 27 years old. Artist rendering included in the London newspapers bear an uncanny resemblance to photos of H. H. Holmes that were published and the Chicago Tribune a few years later. I kind of believe there is a real possibility that he may, in fact, have been Jack the Ripper.
Thanks for listening to Gallows Bird. Please like and subscribe, and please join me next week for part two of the Castle Murder Case.